of our healer, our comforter, our everything, our God and our Father. We ask you right now to comfort each and every one here. And Father, we come before you on behalf of our nation right now. Lord, we lift up the soldiers who've lost their life this week. And all the families and all the friends that, Lord God, are in trauma and grief. Grief that they can't even explain. The losing of a daughter who was expecting a grandchild. The losing of a fiancé. The losing of a mother, a wife, a husband, a daughter, a grandchild. Lord, we pray for the families. We pray for those, Lord, who have been wounded in the trauma that would try to capture capture them for the rest of their life. We pray for healing. And, Lord, we pray that as those young people stood outside with signs saying our prayers, and there's so much talk of prayer right now, we know that it's time for us to humble ourselves and pray. And the only thing that will keep the flags away from being at half-mast more often is to draw nigh to you. We know that as long as we are close to you, our flag will fly next to you. And we know that this nation can only walk blessed as we are dependent and we live in you and for you. Lord, bless America. But Lord, I pray for America to start blessing you. And to start worshiping you. And start calling upon the name of the Lord. Because Lord, if we will bless you, we know we'll have you bless us. Lord, we ask you to honor our veterans and our soldiers this day and this week. We thank you that, Lord, you're bringing wisdom. And, Lord, even though this is tragic and painful, we ask you to use this to wake our nation up, our army, our government. Wake us up to the times that we live in and the spirit and the people we are dealing with. That we will not become lethargic. And we will not become sleepy in the days that we are to be awake. We pray and we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the peace of Israel. And Lord, that we stand by her. That we continue to have your hand upon us as well. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Lord, we lift up Johnny right now. And we ask you, Father, Lord, even though... Johnny Ashley's been diagnosed with cancer and believed for a miracle in his body. We pray for a revelation of Jesus to him, that he will see the revelation of who you are and what you did for him, and therefore healing as well as salvation will come. Lord, we praise you and we thank you right now for Cheryl Lee, Daryl's daughter, kidney stones, pregnant with a baby for seven months. We ask you, Father, just to cover that baby and protect her, protect that child. And Lord God, we just command them as kidney stones to disintegrate and disappear and healing to her body in the name of Jesus. And we give you praise and we give you glory. And Lord, for anybody here this morning who's going through something in their bodies, in their hearts, their minds, we pray your healing power and we praise you for your faithfulness. And we give you glory for there's an anointing in the spirit of the Most High God that delivers the captives and sets free those who are in prison. We give you praise and glory in the name of Jesus. Can you give the Lord praise this morning? Can you give the Lord praise this morning? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn around and shake somebody's hand and hug their neck. Tell them I love you in the love of the Lord. I bless you. I bless you in the name of Jesus.
Just reach out and touch somebody. Just bless them in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Diane. Jim, thank you. Thank you. Bless you, James. God bless you guys. What an honor. So good to see you this morning. We bless you. We are so glad you're here. We bless you. How many feels His presence here this morning? Yes, amen. Oh, hallelujah. I tell you, there is more richness that is coming. There's more, just more in His presence, and we're going for it. Amen. And we just love you. We bless you. We thank you for being here to worship the Lord together. And we just pray that you get answers and you get touched today. And I know, I know you will. Today's going to be a memorial day for you. Today is a memorial day. Friday night, we will be having a Major Brian with us who is a, a Purple Heart recipient from Afghanistan. And he will be with us Wednesday night telling his story and telling us a testimony out of his Humvee that was, ex- that, uh, was exploded. That uh, he was the only one uh, that got hurt, but he came out of it and he'll be here to testify and, and just share with us some things. So we're having a special service Wednesday night with this Major Brian with us. And uh, he was, uh, he's a veteran from Panama and Afghanistan and Iraq and 22 years in their service. So we're looking forward to having him. But this morning we want to recognize all those who have served and who are serving our country. And before we call you up, we want to just, we have a short video clip we want to show you, and then we've got something special we're going to show you, and also we're going to give you. So let's go ahead and share this with you and honor you. Come and stand right here. Aren't you proud of our Royal Rangers? Aren't they a fine-looking group of guys? We want to honor our veterans in rank. If you have served or are serving, we want to honor you. Show how much we appreciate you every year. We have something special we give to you. So we want to, of course, start off as if there's any Marines, or you were a Marine and you are a Marine, would you come forward, please? We want to honor you today. Any Marines, would you come forward, please? You guys see which one is the Marines? Okay, you want to hand them one as they come? Come on up. Just give them a hand. Just a Let's give them a hand. We appreciate your service. Go ahead, just hand them one. Anybody who is, who are 
presently serving or has served in the Navy, would you come forward, please? Anyone who has served or serving in the Navy, would you come forward? Is, is that... Let's give them a hand as they're coming. Anyone else you have served or presently serving in the Navy? Appreciate it. Let's give them another big hand and thank God for them. How about the Air Force? If you are presently or have served in the Air Force, would you please come forward? Brother Russell, you need one. I need one more for Brother Russell. God bless you, sweetheart. Appreciate you. There you go, my brother. Thank you, sir. How about the Coast, Coast Guard? Anybody served or serving in the Coast Guard? Anybody at all who served or serving in the Coast Guard? Well, we have a number of our troops, our Army National Guard, who is on, uh, they, they're not able to be here today. They're on, um, they're in training. But if you are, if have served or you're serving the U.S. Army, would you please come forward and we want to honor you today. Anyone who has served or is serving the U.S. Army. Wah! Wah! Hey, here's our little nurse going in next year after graduation. God bless you. Here's our hero from Panama, invasion. Took down Noriega all by himself. Amen. Thank you. Yes. Let's give them another hand and let's thank God for our veterans. Hallelujah. Yes, please stand up and let's just thank God for all our men and women who are serving and have served. They deserve it. They deserve a big round of applause. All their sacrifice and pain and hurt. We thank you so much. Everyone for internet, we thank you so much. Any soldiers who are listening, any veterans. And 
We want to thank these fine young guys. Turn around, bro. Just want you to see. Look at the badges this guy has won. Man, I tell you what, he's Rambo in the Royal Rangers. You got some on? Oh, yeah, you, you, don't, you didn't wear your vest. Well, all these guys, we appreciate our Royal Rangers, and they're learning to be patriotic, and we thank God for them. Thank you, young men. We appreciate it. God bless you. Let's give them another hand. Hallelujah. Thank you guys so much. Hope you enjoy those pins. Uh, every year we change it up, and we had those special made with uh, Army and Marines and Navy on the different ones to hand to you. And just, it's not much, but it's a little bit. You deserve a whole lot more. But we, we bless you. I love what's in the bulletin. I got a card from a soldier, and he sent me this card. It says, best wishes to you on Veterans Day. We realize that we are free because you had the courage to defend America. We want to thank you from the bottom of our heart for all the sacrifices you have made for our great country and for us. Can we give them another hand and thank God for them? A lot of them, they don't tell everything they have to go through or what they have gone through. The more I get with some in counseling and just them sharing with me and pictures and the different things that many of our men and women are even having to sleep in at night in Afghanistan is real tough. But they're doing it because they love our country and we appreciate them and we honor them. We thank you for what you've done and what you're doing. I want to share a scripture with you out of Psalms chapter 68 this morning. Psalms chapter 68. Psalm 68, verse 1, God bless America, and thank God for our soldiers, and courtesy of the red, white, and blue, amen, hallelujah. Psalms chapter 68, verse 1, it says, let God arise, somebody shout out, let God arise. When you hear some bad news coming over the uh, TV, you just say, let God arise. When the doctor's looking at you with some papers and shaking his head, you just say, let God arise. When they're talking about shutting down some type of business, you just say, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let those who have, those who have hate flee before him as smoke driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of the Lord. But let the righteous Come on, let me hear the righteous here today. But let the righteous be glad and let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. And it goes on to saying, say, sing to God, sing praises to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah, Jehovah, and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless and a defender of widows is glory is God in his holy habitation. Now I want you to see, let God arise. That talks about a divine intervention, a divine invasion. Since it's Veterans Day, it's a divine invasion to disable the plan, to disable the unified plan of the enemy that is up to, to come against you. Hallelujah. Let God arise. Let the invasion of the Most High God come in the presence, whether it's in your body or whatever you're going through. And it talks about a divine intervention that God comes to lift you out of adversity. And then the word there, scattered, means 
It's the enemy poses a united threat that against your progress, but that word scattered means to be pulverized or shattered, like hitting a rock with a hammer or hitting a brick with a hammer, or when you see a tornado hit a, a tree and cut that tree in half and it can't be put back together again, just splinters up and down. That's what it means that when God arises, He pulverizes and he shatters the power of the enemy so that the enemy cannot regain his position against you and you may be in a place right now where you feel like the enemy has come against you but the reason they'll have to leave in seven different ways is because they cannot be unified once God has divinely intervened on your behalf they cannot reunify when the prayers and the worship of saints is going forward so I want you to give God the glory that whatever you're going through we have a God who is able to arise in the midst of thee and he is mighty he is mighty to save and mighty to deliver he's mighty to heal and he's mighty to pulverize and shatter the power of the enemy and that he's looking out for your good he's looking out for your protection and sometimes you may not even be asking God to arise but it says here God is going to arise and then his people are going to rejoice how many know you just need to start rejoicing right now because God is arising in the midst of your situation he's arising in the midst of your situation and what was shall not be any more in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to give a good report. We were able to pay our land this week, and we went down from a debt of 233000 and now it's 221000 So that's $12,000 down. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's thank God for it. Glory to God in one month. And I want you to believe with me, and I want you to help. Let's get that land paid off so we can start building the kitchen and the, every, the facilities we need for the children, the youth, and get ready for God to use us for community and for the nations. And I just want you to believe with us. That land is paid off, and we are debt-free there like we are here in the name of Jesus. We owe no man nothing to love him. We're looking at going into more nations by faith. We're going to support more missions by faith, and we're going to do everything we can. Thank God we're on the Internet. We're going to be getting on TV. We're going to do everything we can to see the gospel explode through the world for the glory of God. And so we bless you today. And ushers, would you come forward as we get ready to receive this morning's offerings and tithe. And we want to thank you for your faithful giving. We want to thank you for your faithfulness. We just call you blessed. And Lord, I just praise you. Arise and rebuke the devourer. Shatter the devourer. Shatter the spirit of poverty and the spirit of lack and need that would try to mount up against your people. And we thank you that you are rising in power, divine intervention in a miraculous way, that you be exalted, you be praised. And we give you glory and praise for this in Jesus' name. And the church says, Amen. Yeah.
today and we want to continue and as we get set up here father we pray in Jesus name that our hearts are open and receptive to the message that you send to us each one personally to walk us through where we are right now you are a personal Lord and Savior personal guide into all that is good and as you spoke to men of old and you led them out of the worst places into the destiny you prepared 
I thank you for the voice of the Master speaking to us today to lead us out of where we find ourselves right now, whatever it may be, whether it's a trap or captivity or a mindset or bondage, pain or disease, and walk us through it. And I thank you that we are going to see ourselves out on the other side. Thank you for your personal word to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Praise God. We bless you today. And I wasn't able to finish last week. So as how many of you remember Blue's Clues when your kids were raising up or your grandkids or maybe you still watch it? Y'all remember Steve and the little blue dog. He always gave clues. But what we want to share today is clues to get out of the blues. Have you ever been blue? Have you ever been depressed? And last week I was sharing about suicide and I'll share a little bit more because we had a prophet who went suicidal. And sometimes we have moms who go suicidal, dads who go suicidal. I mean, sometimes it just goes crazy. But what we want to do is give you some clues out of the Word of God on how to refresh you and how to bless you. And I want you to see here in 1 Kings 19, 1 through 3, it's a scripture that we see that Ahab got home and told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just the way you killed them. But listen, I just want you to shout this out. It's not going to happen. Shout it out. It's not going to happen. The devil will tell you a lot of things and he'll try to raise up people that seem to have the power. But nobody has the power unless God gives the power. And God is not going to give the power to nobody else to take you out. But you've just got to say, no matter what it sounds like, you're not going to take me out. Just say it one more time. It's not going to happen. And verse 3 says, and when Elijah saw how things were, don't get caught in seeing the way things are. He ran for dear life. And what he did, he ran to the very tip of Judah. There was no other place to run. Have you ever ran out of places to run to? Have you ever ran out of mates? You've been married seven times and you don't know who you're going to marry next. You've done out of first cousins. Have you ever, ever ran out of ideas? Have you ever ran out of hope? Have you ever ran out of tapes and books to give you answers and you're wondering, okay, I've read it, I've listened to it, but what am I supposed to do? Have you ever ran out of something? Where I hear the prophet Elijah, when it says he ran for dear life, it means in the Hebrew, he lost his mind. Did you ever feel like you lost your mind and you don't have to raise your hand? (laughs) Have you lost your mind lately? You don't have to raise your hand, but there's something I love about the prophet Elijah. It says in James chapter 5, verse 19, you don't have to look there. It says that Elijah is, in, in, in many translations, says it this way. Elijah was as human as we are. Elijah was as human as we are, and he fought the same passions and emotions that we do. And as we're studying this, we see a prophet that was suicidal. We see someone who was spiritual, but yet was depressed and suicidal, wanting to die. And the Bible says, he is just as normal as we are. Aren't you glad that you can be normal? Don't you, aren't you glad you are normal? I'm going to get down here right quick, because boy, it's hot up there. Aren't you glad? Okay, can you see me in the dark? 
never mind, I'll stay up there. I, I, I'm used to walking around. Look at you and say, you're normal. Look, you're normal. You know, you're not participating real good. Come on, say it out loud. Say, I know you don't believe it, but say it by faith. You're normal. You're saying, I'm, not, I'm a Christian. I'm not supposed to be having these thoughts. Guess what? Person you just said who's normal has the same thoughts. I'm not supposed to feel this way. Guess what? The person you just said you're normal to has a lot of the same thoughts. We have a lot of the same problems. And Elijah ran for dear life. He lost his mind. He didn't know what to do. And he ran as far as he could, not knowing what to do. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it talks about being surrounded by a great crowd of men and women of God who cheer us on. But it says that if we want to run this race and endure, and we've been speaking about the spirit of endurance, the fruit of endurance, if we want to endure... We've got to understand that we've got to take off not only every sin. We spent all last month talking about sin. But not only to get rid of every sin, but it says get rid of every weight. Say weight. Say weight again. Listen, for a lot of us, for most of us, depression has been a reoccurring weight that has tried to stop us from running our race and finishing it. Every time we almost get close to a a success or a blessing, all of a sudden we feel ourselves in a slump and we get depressed over something that's not even going to happen many times. I told you Elijah was scared for his life, but how many of you know he's one of the few men in the Bible who never died? A chariot came and picked him up and brought him to heaven. And you know, the devil will try to get us into a stupor and a place of depression, believing something and, 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 and living in fear. And we've got to take those weights off. I'll give you an example. I remember when I was about ready to turn uh, 35 and when I was 35, I would travel up in the mountains. And I noticed my wife was very nervous and, and, and worried and scared when I would leave. And she would always say, baby, did you pray? Don't forget to pray Psalms 91. But, babe, be careful. And she, she, I noticed she was more fearful than she usually was when I would go up in the mountains. And finally I said, baby, what's wrong? She says, baby, you got to understand, my dad died when he was 35. And this thing was in her mind since she was 13 that, that she lost her dad when she was 35. And she, it was this secret fear, hidden fear. Making her think that maybe she might lose me at 35. And then I had my own. My mom died at 42. How many of you remember Elvis Presley's mom died about 42? And for years he says, I'm going to die the same age my mom died. And he did. Well, you know, when I started getting close to 42, I started wondering, am I going to live older than my mom? Am I going to die at 42? And you know, the closer I got to 42, the more I had to pray through and the more my mind would play tricks on me, the more I would think, what would happen if I would go? But praise God, 42 was four years ago and counting. Now the devil's saying, your dad died at 59. So you, at 59, no, listen, you didn't get me at 35. You didn't get me at 42. Forget the 59. My grandpa lived in 93. He was in a wheelchair, squeezing ladies behinds in the nursing home. So, I mean, listen, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I still be squeezing. No, never mind. <laughs> oh. But you know, some people call my grandpa a dirty old man. But the thing about it is, is when you know you're in a wheelchair, you're at that height where that's all you see. So you know. <laughs> 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 
I'm normal. I know what you're thinking. No, you're not. You're an idiot. But listen, we're going to get you out of that slump and off of the, out of that weight. And you're going to see the things that's been trying to tear you down and weigh you down that you're not going to do this, you're not going to do that. You're going to do it and you're going to make it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You got to tear down those thoughts. Depression is a weight and you've got to take it off of you and you've got to run. Fear, look, she said, I'm going to, I'm going to do to you. In other words, I'm going to cut your head off. Listen to this. She didn't have to cut his head off. Fear did it for her. He was already dead in his own eyes, just like those prophets, when she says, I'm going to do to you tomorrow, tomorrow what you did to me. And he ran for his life. And I was sharing with you last week that our first point was that he ran for dear life. He wore himself out in burnout. You've got to be careful about burnout. I'm not going to leave much time because I touched on this last week. And I won't get to the next two points before it gets too late. But burnout, let me tell you this. This is some things about burnout. You're so tired that you even answer your phone. You know you burn out when you're so tired and you answer your phone, leave me alone. That's when you know you're burnt out. How about this one? Your friends call to ask how you've been and you immediately scream, stop asking me all these questions. This is an interesting one. It'll never happen to you. You wake up to discover your house is on fire and you just go back to sleep because you just don't care. That's pretty bad, huh? But the Bible, he was, he was, uh, he was tired, he was uh, burnt out. But Hebrew talks about, be careful that you do not grow weary. Say weary. Weariness is burnt out. And one of the definitions, in fact, Webster's definition for weariness, one of them means to have your sense of pleasure exhausted. To have your sense of pleasure exhausted. Or in other words, you get to a point where I, I just don't find any more fun in this anymore. I'm tired of my marriage. I'm tired of my life. I, I, I try this and it doesn't work. And so you start getting weary. You know what happens when you get weary? You want to give up. And you know what happens when you give up? You end up regretting what you give up. How many people get remarried to the person they divorced? Because they, they felt they were weary in their relationship. It got dead and it got cold. They, they got a divorce and their senses of pleasure had died away. And then what happened? They start regretting it and saying, you know, it really wasn't that bad. I made it worse than it was. When you get weary, you better be careful in your decision making. Elijah was weary and he made some bad decisions that God had to correct him on. When you get exhausted, burnt out and weary, you ought to get some confirmation in the areas of decisions, especially big decisions, life-changing decisions before you do because you'll end up changing your mind and, and, and wish, wishing you never have. And then you get to the point of exhaustion where you feel like, what's wrong with me? I'm so tired. I need a break. Nothing ever works out for me. Uh, temporary delay. The NIV, this is what Elijah said. I've had enough. You need to write this down in the area of burnout. Know your limits. Know your limits. If you're Superman, know your kryptonite. You got to know your limits because the enemy will come in and he will try to attack you and pull you down every time. So you have to be careful about burn out. Say burn out. Okay, it goes on to say in 2 Kings 19, 3 through 4, it says, not only did he run for dear life, look what it goes on to say. It's underlined here. He left his young servant there. Point number two. Loneliness. 
Write this down. This is a very important point for mature Christians or baby Christians or for anybody. When you feel like you're getting burnt out, you get to the point where you start isolating yourself. And a lot of reason you get double depressed and you get suicidal is because you start isolating yourself from other people saying, I don't need anybody. I can get through this on my own. Or he told his servant, you stay over there. Can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine this servant was serving the greatest prophet of the time? He was proud to be serving the prophet Elijah. But Elijah was saying, you know what? I'm a loser. The woman's after my head. If you stay with me, you ever heard anybody tell you, if you stick with me, you're going to end up dead like me? You stick with me, you're going to end up a loser like me? If you stick around with me, you're going to end up losing your life like me? If you stick around with me, you're going to end up just not having anything worth to be happy about? You ever heard somebody talk that way? Or maybe you've talked that way? That's why you've got to learn. You've got to change that negative talk into something more positive that you're not going to just... You have to learn... I'm not going to isolate myself and I'm not going to fall into a lie believing that there's no hope for me and then I'm not going to tell people you stick around with me, you're going to lose, you don't need me anyway. Listen, this is what people are saying. I'm overwhelmed and I'm not going to let you in. If I would tell you what I'm going through, you wouldn't understand anyway. Those are lies of the enemy to keep you letting, keeping everything in and letting, listen, depression magnifies the problem. And not only do you get to the point where you want to isolate yourself from people, you fall into the trap of self-pity. And then you don't want to talk to anybody. You don't want anybody to talk to you because you're in such a deep area of self-pity that you, don't, you, you just don't, why do they even want to help me anyway? I'm not even worth helping. Just let me die. Just leave me alone. Don't even spend time with me. And that's the danger about he left his servant so that he could go on by himself. And when you're going through a battle, you start raising walls up. You start pushing people away. I'm hurting, so I'm going to push you away. I've got to be strong. I shared with you last week, a lot of people get burnt out because they feel they have to have the responsibility or the answers for everybody else's problems. No person has the answers for everybody's problems. Well, listen to this. In the area, not only burnout, but loneliness... You don't have to be strong for everybody else. You don't have to... Listen, sometimes we, we, some of us had this mindset that whenever we talk to the pastor, we talk to a brother and sister, we've always got to be this perfect, strong person. Listen, when you're down, you're down, and you need to let it out. You need to share. Listen, I need you to pray for me. Now, I'm not saying get on Facebook and hang your laundry on Facebook. Because people aren't going to pray for you. They're going to talk about you. So you need to go to somebody. Boy, it got quiet right there. <laughs> but you see people get on Facebook. Oh, they start crying and they got it all written. And the people start, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm going to die and all this stuff. No, 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 no. Listen, you don't need pity. You, know, you don't need sympathy. You need prayer and you need a word of the Lord. But a lot of times when you're going through depression and trying times, you start closing yourself up to people. I have people tell me, Pastor, we're going to stop coming to church for a while. I say, why? Well, we feel we need to be alone with God. And you know, I'm, I, can be, I can have church by myself in the woods. Well, I know you can have church by yourself in the woods, but you're not going to fix your situation by killing the little squirrels. I love you, Lord. You're not going to fix your situation isolating yourself because we are members one of another. 
We are the body of Christ. And if we could get in our head, listen, what I'm going through is normal. And so I don't have to feel like I'm an oddball. And that I am humiliating myself because I'm asking you to help me and pray for me. And I don't have to feel that somebody's going to judge me because I'm asking for help. Because I need help. And it's the truth. When you ask me how I'm doing, I'm saying, oh, I'm fine. I'm great. I'm blessed. And I'm lying on the inside. I'm not helping you or me. And if I always have to give the image that I can't be normal. I'm supernatural. It's a bunch of baloney. For a long time we've seen. And we've heard writers of books and tapes about they don't believe in a down day. Every day is up. But yet, them and their kids go through divorces, operations, sicknesses. But they don't write about that. They just write about the nice cars, the houses, and the airplanes. But they are normal people too who go through trials and tribulations like you do. Just they learn some clues on how to get out of it and not stay in it. And the blessing and the success that they have had is the same blessing success that you can have. But you've got to get some clues and understand. Don't be so down on yourself if you're going through a hard time. Don't hide in a cave. God is still going to find you there. But people may not find you there. When you've got a problem, call, uh, send an email. But don't isolate yourself from people who love you and people who can help you. You'll never get out of it. Loneliness. Solitude. Isolating yourself, eternalizing your depression and your fears and not wanting to talk it over with people. This week they showed on TV the memorial service that if I would have been invited, I would have went at Central Grounds when they honored so many dead there who they don't even know who they are, but so many who are buried on the grounds of Central. And I saw pictures of the early 1900s where they would lock people up behind chicken coop wire and, and the sufferings and the agony that a lot of people who went to Central in the early 1900s went through. And so many died and nobody uh, knew, knew them or nobody went, went to uh, recognize them. No family claimed them. I mean, they just dug a hole and just buried them. And so they were doing a memorial service this week. And I thank God for that. And I, and I bless those people who did that, rem- remembering those who have no markers, but yet they're known by God. Well, you know, they were mentally ill. Oh, they were children of the Most High God. You see, you put the mental ill down, and then you put the boarded babies that they're not really a baby. It's just a, a, a mucus or this and that and the other. And we start devaluing life is what the world wants. But every life is important for the glory of God. Listen to this. In 1992, an 84-year-old lady was found dead on her balcony in Sweden. She was sitting on a chair dressed in a coat and a hat with her forehead leaning against the railing. Upon farther research, now remember, this was in March. Upon farther research, she must have died early New Year's Eve while sitting on her balcony watching the fireworks. Three months. Just inside the door of her apartment, policemen found untouched new papers that dated back at the beginning of January. The neighbor realized something was wrong when she saw this lady on the balcony around the clock despite the freezing temperatures. Then the neighbor accused herself for not having seen her earlier. In our quiet, in our quest to rest and our fast pace, too often we isolate ourselves from those around us. To everyone's hurt, the isolation can permit people to die emotionally, spiritually, or even psychology, uh, mentally without even noticing it. Isn't that sad? Listen to this. I know you're sad, so let me cheer you up a little bit. After a, sink, after a ship sank in the ocean, three men ended up stranded on a lifeboat. 
They floated around for days without food or water. One afternoon, a bottle floated up to the boat. The man grabbed the bottle, pulled the cork, and out came a genie. I'll grant you each a single wish, said the genie. One said, I wish I was home, and poof, he disappeared. The second one said, I wish I was home too. Poof, the second man disappeared. Then the genie says, okay, you're the last one. What's your wish? He says, I want my friends back. Poof, there they were again. <laughs> you don't want to be lonely. But how many you know when you, <laughs> when you get to those desperate situations... You start isolating yourself and nobody wants to be alone. Even married people feel lonely. People who are surrounded by family, family reunions feel lonely. And a lot of times we say, you know, I don't feel like I know anybody. Well, why don't you be a part of the marriage couples? Or why don't you be a part of the singles? Why don't you be a part of this or that or the other? But there's such a depression already there that it causes you to isolate like, nobody will talk to me. I wouldn't have any fun. There's no hope for me. Who wants to get to know me? And you have that identity. Stay away from me because there's nothing here good to know. And that is a lie of the enemy. Every want is uniquely made for the purpose and the pleasure of God. Amen. So we see people tell us. I mean, if you isolate yourself, who's going to tell you that you're wrong? Huh? And you know what? Sometimes you need a... I gave the example last week about just touching. Sometimes we need somebody just to slap us upside the face. I don't know what to do. Stop spending money. I can't get a job. Have you looked? No, God will give it to me. How are you going to get forward if you don't get wise counsel? Wisdom is in the multitude of counselors. And if you keep it inside and you keep it there, you'll never get out of it. And you fall into the area of self-pity and you start thinking, oh, my life is always going to stink. My life is never going to get better. I'll never pass this grade. I'll never get promoted. My kids will never get saved. Stop focusing on the negative and start focusing on the God who can. Amen. Now, I want to hurry and get to this next point. He says here in 1 Kings 19, 4, Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Now, this is the next point, and, I, and I'm going to end with this point here. Write this down. This is so important. Comparison. Comparison. If you live a life of always comparing, well, you know what? I married this boy, and his brother makes a whole lot more money than he does and when we get together for Thanksgiving, I don't even want to go to Thanksgiving because I know they're going to drive up in a new car and my car is 10 years old. Comparing marriages. I wish I had a marriage like theirs. Oh, listen to me. They got some good marriages, but everybody's normal. Even good marriages has its problems. So don't quit and don't compare your husband to another person's husband or a man on a soap opera and don't compare your wife to one of these models or one of these women on TV. Stop the comparing because you'll never get out of your depression. Let me give you an example. A lot of times something sounds spiritual, but it'll bring you down. I used to know, that, I used to know this doctor and she was always, always telling me the importance of getting out of debt. 
And I told her, I'm believing God. I'm doing everything. I got plans. I got strategies. I'm doing everything I can. I can. She says, yeah, but look, I'm this, I'm this. And every time it was to hear about how she got out of debt. But she was a single doctor making thousands of dollars a month. I was paying for two braces, three eyeglasses, insurance on three cars. I was paying deodorant and my food bill for three teenagers. And, 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 and I, I mean, I was doing what I could do. But hey, listen, I don't make half the money you make. I've got three kids, a wife, myself, two cats. I can't compare my faith about how much I owe compared to you not owing nobody. I can't compare myself to you. You hear somebody give a testimony. Hallelujah. Praise God. I thank God for you. But I cannot get depressed comparing myself to you because it will bring me down. Let, let me bring this down to where my wife and I was back in the, about 89. We lived in a city of 350,000 people in the mountains. And it was a real poor area. We had a house with mildew and mold. We had a car that the, uh, the uh, rubber around the, uh, uh, the sunroof was out, and when it would rain, water would go right down the back of our necks, down our backs, and keep on going down. I mean, the car was a mess. And we had some new missionaries come to Huhui to live, and they invited us to their house. They were denominational miss- missionaries. So they invited us to their house. So my wife and I, we drove over there, and we, we drove to their nice house out in a real nice neighborhood. And he had a 50-something thousand dollar vehicle, and they brought us in the house. And I, I saw my first computer in his living room and they had two chandeliers and they had imported all of their furniture from the states and they brought us in the utility room and they had a washer and a dryer from America and they were just showing us everything they had and we were no we knew we had to get back in our rinky dink car and drive to our mildewed house and and we were seeing how awesome and then he started telling me about the, um, the denomination just gave them $25,000 to buy carpet for their building and then uh, another $20,000 for chairs and they were getting ready to buy some land and, and they were telling us all these things and sending, and uh, I asked him, I said, well, what were you doing before you got here? He said, oh, I was pastoring 20 people in California. And I said, so they just sent you here? Yeah, we're first-time missionaries. And all this money's coming in and all this nice house and car and everything. And Cindy and I got in the car, and I remember, she looked out the window, the other opposite from me. And if I wasn't driving, I would have looked out the window too. And we weren't talking all the way home. Maybe you've been there before. We weren't talking. Here we are, we've been missionaries for six, seven years, eight years. Missionaries for eight years. They just arrived. We've seen six missionaries come to our city and leave. Here's these new ones. And boy, they're spending money and renting the theater and Bought land, built a two-story building. Didn't finish it, but built a two-story building. And I'm on my way home. And I, w- I want you all to know, I'm, I'm Elijah under the tree. I'm complaining to God. I'm not saying it out loud, but in my mind, I'm saying, God, you're not fair. I said, they just got here. And I keep hearing about this money. I don't even know how to write the zeros to. They got this awesome automobile imported. And I've got this old rinky-dink car that we had a push start. Yeah, standard, we had a push start. I got four ball tires on my car. No spare. We live in a mildewed house. And we have served you with everything we had. And we have suffered for you. They have not suffered one day, God. God, it's not fair here. 
God, you said you're a fair God, but it ain't looking that way right now. And guess what I was thinking? I quit. If this is the way it's going to be after I have served you all these years, and if this is my life compared to theirs, well, they can have Argentina. I quit. I was thinking all of these things. But listen, it's when you get down the lowest, his voice becomes the sweetest. And sometimes it takes that to hear him. And do you know what God told me that moment? We weren't talking. We were too depressed. We were, yeah, really. I was driving. You know what God told me? Just like this, he said, he hasn't had the privilege of living by faith. I thought, boy, you're spiritual. What do you mean by that? You know, you ever been there? What do you mean by that? He hasn't had the privilege. What privilege? Look at my car. My kid is sick. Cody was a little baby. My kid is sick by the mildew. He said he hasn't had the privilege of living by faith. I said, God, what do you, what do you mean? And God just said this so, so softly. He said, you know my voice. You have to hear from me to do anything. And when you do it, you know it's always me because I come through. He doesn't have to ask me what to spend money on, what to do, how to do it. He just does it because it's always available for him. You have to hear from me and believe in me to receive from me. That's the privilege of living by faith. I wiped my neck from the water dripping down it. I thanked God a little bit in my heart. We drove home. We started talking again. She stayed with me. And do you know, in two years, they were gone. The two-story building he had built, it was like Proverbs, was being covered with weeds. No ministry left. I talked to my pastor Friday. They're celebrating 19 years this month of the mother church we built. They're baptizing seven today. They had over 45 women in their ladies' retreat. They're already putting columns for expansion because they've outgrown their building. They're celebrating 19 years of life because I didn't fall in the trap and stay in a comparison mood and say, Lord, it doesn't matter what other people's have or do. They do what they're called to do. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And listen, if you live a life of comparing yourself to your brother or your sister, they have a degree higher than yours. If you live all your life about, you know what? They loved my sister. My sister was always a favorite among the family. They would always say, oh, look how cute. Shab baby, look how cute and how sweet. And they wouldn't give you any attention. What you didn't understand then, and they didn't understand that it was temperament, that though that, your sister might have had an outgoing good personality, you were an artist or a doctor or a lawyer or a songwriter. You were melancholy. And so you weren't all smiles and all outgoing. But you are. You were who you were. And they couldn't appreciate what God had hidden inside of you. We compare ourselves to others, but you're not supposed to be like anyone else. You are not supposed to be like me. And you cannot be like me. And you don't want to be like me. And I don't, I don't compare myself to try to be like you. And 
It's a big trap. When I got here to America, everybody told me who I needed to be like. New people wanted me to be, be like their ex-pastor and word of grace to be just like their last church. But word of grace is word of grace. And Russell Cobb is Russell Cobb. And, and I remember when I first got here and our church was very small on military highway. I was ministering to a lady, came in for prayer. And I, I anointed her with all and I prayed for her. And I was leaning against the wall and she was in the bench. And she looked at me and she said, Boy, you're not like your daddy. I said, oh, what you mean? She said, your daddy would be sitting right by me with his arms around me and just loving me. I said, you're right. I'm not like my daddy. I'll anoint you with all and I'll pray for you. But I'm not going to sit here in the auditorium alone with you and hold you. My daddy did that. I wouldn't do that. She says, well, your daddy would drive to New Orleans to see me when I was in the hospital. I said, my daddy didn't have any kids. And when I was raised as a preacher's son, and my, dad, my brother is still fighting things in his life, dad, my dad would always leave the kids to go visit the church. And we were at home while he was gone. And he was an awesome pastor, and I honor my dad. He was an awesome man of God. But I cannot live my life, and you cannot live your life trying to match up to your mom or your dad And be trapped by being somebody's shadow when you're called to be unique and one of a kind. You may be saying, you're putting your dad down. I'm not putting my dad down. My dad built awesome churches, did awesome works. But I'm not him. And you cannot be your dad or mom either. You cannot be a copy of anybody else but who the Holy Spirit has implanted Jesus within you. And if your life, live your life comparing your house to somebody else's house. Your Christmas decorations to somebody else's decorations. And if you live your life comparing your children to somebody else's children. Oh, look how good their children are. They're so good. Let me tell you one thing that happened when we first came back to the States. Cody was very little and he was just learning English because he, all he knew was Spanish. And we went visit a preacher. And Cody's playing on the floor, and he had the type of daughters that had the little dresses and the pigtails. They all came in, and they'd stand up and sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And you think, look at these little angels. And Cody's on the floor playing army, and he knocks something down, and his first English curse word (laughs) comes out of his mouth in front of the pastor who has these little angels. (laughs) What did you say? And he looked at me and he said it again. (laughs) Oh my God! I'm a failure! My child is supposed to be singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And he's cursing. Oh God, I'm a failure of a daddy. I want to die. I'm talking to you, ain't I? Because you know those... Little girls and little boys who sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me. They're not always going around singing like that. (laughs) We just caught them on a good day. (laughs) They had two bottles of Tylenol and some extra in their eggnog before we got there. No, not really. But anyway, listen, you cannot... You will kill yourself and you will be on nerves and people will want to kill you. 
Because that child made all A's and yours made B's and C's and D for dynamo. I used to tell F means fantastic. They just missed it. Well, how much did you make this year? Praise God, I made enough. Well, I made 100000 Well, good for you. I don't know Obama loves you. <laughs> I wanted to be real with you. Well, I'm real with you all the time. But, <laughs> but listen, we can be so hard on ourselves. What's your child? Well, he, he's got a special job. Well, where does he work? Works at Walmart. Oh, praise God. You know, I hear some good things about there. And you see them light up because they're scared. Well, my child's studying to be a doctor. And they go, oh. My children never be like your children. You don't need to want to, your children to be like their children. The gifts are given. The gifts are given as the Lord desires, not as you desires. You cannot make your children be other people's children by comparing them. You encourage them, you nurture them, but you do not compare them. You do not, brothers, you do not compare your wife with somebody else's wife. Sisters, you do not compare your husband. Did you see how he opened the door for her? We need to open the door for our wives, brothers. But to say she's got the best husband, you'll end up having the worst than you think you do. Just keep comparing. Keep belittling. So we have to be careful not to compare ourselves because it will depress us and it will make us give up. Listen to this. Let me end with this. Winners compare their achievements with their goals, but losers compare their achievements with other people's. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain and bitter, for always there will be the greater and the lesser persons than yourself. Listen to Howard Hendricks. Listen to what he said. Comparison is the favorite indoor sport of Christians. <laughs> And let me share this last point with you. Comparison is unfair to you. Comparison is unfair to your children, to your marriage, to your business, to your profession, to who you are as a person. Elijah says, I want to die because I'm just not as good as my ancestors. Do not compare yourself to others. Allow the Holy Spirit to do a work with you and you. And develop the special person you are. I know a lot of, I, I don't know a lot. I know some rich, rich people, millionaires since in the ministry. And I know some real poor people in third world countries. Who have not, don't even, they even have a dirt floor. But they're, they're just as happy, if not more happy, than some of the millionaires I know. And their children, some of them are just as successful. As the millionaires. You can't live a life comparing your lives to others. What they have and don't have. 
He's got a, hey, honey, he's got a big TV. Yeah, but, babe, we can't afford it right now. Yeah, but, but it's not fair. He's, he can watch games on a big TV, and I can't. Look, thank God for the nine-inch. Thank God for the 13-inch. Thank God for the 22, the 26, the 32-inch. You'll get to the 50 one day. Until you do find a friend who don't mind you going over there and watch it with him and spend his electricity and let him fix it when it's broke. But don't, we, don't fall in the trap. She's got granite. Well, I'm a fan of Formica myself. Don't compare your life as being lower if you don't match up with other people because you will be depressed. And you'll make your mate depressed. And you'll make your children depressed. And you'll never get to the destiny where you belong. Amen? Let's bow our heads, please. If you're here today and you've been battling depression, and I want to speak about what really touched my heart as I was praying this morning and yesterday. If you have an issue in the area of comparison, you have fallen into that trap. And you want to be free from that because to be free from these clues that we received in the word is to be free from comparison. And we've got to get to the root. And if you're trapped with a lie of comparison, I want you to just raise your hand and put it down. Anyone at all, God bless you. Anyone else, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. I see those hands. Yes, yes, God bless you. If you have a trial in the area of burnout, if you feel like you're so exhausted, wearied, and burnout, and feel like you can't go anymore, would you raise your hand? Just raise your hand and put it down. Anybody at all? Okay, I see those hands, yes. Some of the people are the same people. If you are here and you are struggling in the area of loneliness, you feel so alone. You don't feel like anyone could understand or would understand. Would you raise your hand, please? Anyone at all? God bless you. God bless you. Yes. God bless you. Okay, you put your hand down. Let me pray for you right quick. And Christians, pray and don't quit praying. Don't quit praying. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And we lift up these who raised their hands this morning. Those who raised their hands in the area of loneliness. Oh, Father, I come against that spirit of solitude and loneliness. And even, Lord, being that hermit spirit. Want to just be a hermit and hide and worried and scared of opening up with others. I just break the power of loneliness that is speaking to them and lying them and that weight that is pulling them down. Lord, I come against the fatigue, stress, weariness, burnout, burned out in their mind, their heart, even in their zeal for you and for life itself. Burned out about their marriage, burned out with hope deferred and feel like there's no future, no hope. I pray for those here and I pray for those by internet. And I just ask you right now that, Lord, a rest will come upon them. A peace will overshadow them that will be able to lift them up and cause them to continue in life with a spring in their step and rejoicing in God and and energy and, and passionate and excited about what you have for them. And, Father, I come before you and I pray against this trap of comparison. Comparing our children and pushing them to be better So I can get the attention. So that I can look good. So that mom and dad can can feel like they're important. Lord, I just come against that trap of comparison. 
that, Lord, we accept the limitations. We accept the people. We accept our mates. We accept where we are, knowing that he will get better, but we don't fight the area of comparison because, Lord, we're not, we don't have the fear of man. I come against the fear of man and being intimidated because I have to match up. Lord, you accepted me just like I am. You came for me just when I was still while I was a sinner. I didn't have to win your, your, I didn't have to win your approval. You just gave it to me. Help us to live that way in our lives. I come against the pain and I pray for healing for the pain and the hurt because of comparison. I pray for healing because of those hurts and pains, scars that were left because of being compared to others and not matching up and not being as good as someone else. Lord, may we put our eyes upon you, as Hebrew 12 says, that we may run this race. Run it not to grow weary, but run it to win. And I pray this over your people in Jesus' precious name. And the most important invitation, that you will never experience peace, comfort. You will never be able to enter into that place of rest until you receive the one who pun- was punished and was sacrificed in your place and for you. He came to purchase and buy your redemption. If you are here today and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not sure if you've ever received Him or accepted Him in your heart. And if you die today, you don't know if you'd go to heaven or hell. I invite you, please, raise your hand and say, I want to receive Him today as my Lord and Savior. Anyone at all, I want to receive Him today into my heart as Lord and Savior. Anyone else? Anyone else? I need Jesus into my heart. I need forgiveness of my sins. I need restoration of my peace, my hope, and my joy. Anyone at all, anyone else, would you raise your hand? Would you please put your hand upon your heart? And would you pray this prayer with me? God bless you too, sir. Three hands have raised. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for giving me your son, Jesus. That he was my sacrifice. And he paid the price that I may go free. Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. And I believe with all my heart the power that's in your blood. And that right now you are washing me and cleansing me. And I'm brand new. I'm born again. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can follow Sister Kathy and Brother Ricky, uh, the three of y'all that raise your hand, and anyone else at Go. If you have any more need of being ministered to, we have a prayer room over here to your left, my right. And there's a prayer room there. We have material for it, free material, free Bibles, anything you need. We have it, and we have people in there ready to pray and minister to you. We love you, and we bless you tonight. I'm going to be continuing on the letter to Sardis on tradition. We love you, and we bless you. Thank you so much for coming to worship for us. And we will see you Tuesday night intercession and Wednesday night, the book of Romans. Brother Jake, would you dismiss us, please? Father, we just thank you, God, today that you love us just the way that we are, Lord. You created us unique and in your image, Lord. And we thank you, God, that, Lord, we can just be ourselves and just be what you've called us to be. And, Lord, we just ask that you would show us direction, God, in our lives, Lord, the paths that we are to go and to take and the decisions that we are to make in our lives so that we bring glory and honor to your name and we help build and grow your kingdom. Lord, I just ask you to be with everyone as they leave today. Lord, bring them back safe tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.